Welcome everyone, you are now listening to A Healthy Obsession, the podcast covering soccer culture from around the world. My name's Adam Thelwell and the show is brought to you by Small Goal Soccer. On today's show we are joined by Brett Johnson. Brett and his group own Phoenix Rising FC, FC Tucson, and most recently they've acquired Ipswich Town of League One in England. Brett is going to be talking to us about getting into club ownership, how that came about with Phoenix Rising. He's going to be sharing his thoughts on the hot topic of the moment, which is the European Super League. And we're going to be taking a look at what Ipswich fans can expect from their new ownership group. We appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. We're going to get into the show now. Cheers. But why don't you just kick us off with just a little bit of your own personal background and maybe just your, your own intro to soccer for people that don't know who you are. Sure. Uh, Brett Johnson. Uh, currently, let's say uh, I'm a board member now of Ipswich. So hence, uh, flying, flying the Ipswich flag. Is that um, Portman Road in the background? That's Portman Road in the background. Yeah. Really nice. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get them to get me an image with some, you know, with <laughs> back stands. I love um, it. Yeah. Very nice. The first one they sent me was a picture from COVID, you know, empty stands. I said, I got, <laughs> you got to send me pre-COVID. Yeah. It's not quite the same vibe, is it? Not, not quite the same uh, sales point. <laughs> oh, no doubt. But uh, yeah. And then I guess by, by further way of introduction, I'm actually speaking of Jordan. I'm a proud board member and investor in, in Helsinger, FC Helsinger. Um, you know, and then I guess the, you know, stateside, um, I'm founder of Phoenix Rising, um, and I own the predecessor team called Arizona United. And then, you know, now my kind of soccer cup overfloweth. I own a League One team in Tucson, a USL League One team in Tucson, and then I own the rights, and I'm launching a team in Rhode Island, a USL championship team, you know, surrounded by a substantial real estate development and stadium in that fine state. So, um, I, I literally and figuratively wear a lot of hats. Um, yeah, that sounds like it. I feel very blessed to be able to do what I do. So, so how did the, the group get involved in soccer? Because uh, there's other investments in the group, right? So how was the introduction to soccer? Well, I lived in London for five years, which I give credit for kind of truly, uh, you know, giving me, as I describe it, a front row seat to the Premier League. But uh, during that time, I was traveling all over the world and uh, the way I described it, I mean, I grew up playing soccer. I love the sport. I kind of realized in high school, my, my athletic future lay elsewhere, if you will, but, um, but continue to enjoy following it. It always been a fan of world cup. And, but, um, what I started to find traveling around the world is if I needed an icebreaker, um, you know, you'd get a, a you know, several different internationals sitting around a table. Anytime I wanted an icebreaker, I would just bring up football. I, I would say something like, oh, I can't wait till next year when the U.S. wins the World Cup, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, borderline fights would break out because the German guy <laughs> would be crazy. And then, you know, but it, it really was the common denominator in terms of everyone has their favorite team. You know, it, it truly is the world's religion, certainly when it comes to sport. Um, so, you know, kind of fast forwarding the company I was running in England, they brought me back to the States to run the whole company. <clears throat> And we sold it in 05. And uh, a couple years later, um, I just started thinking about the opportunity to invest in football in the U.S. And started thinking, you know, over time, the U.S. would kind of, as I describe it, catch up on and off the pitch relative to the religion by which the rest of the world reveres the sport. And then in 2014, I was um, watching the MLS Cup finals and the commissioner, Don Garber, was talking about 
as he usually does the state of the league and expansion. And he, he didn't mention Phoenix, which I found interesting, you know, and it was one of these kind of entrepreneurial epiphanies where after the game, I turned to my wife and I said, you know, I want to, I want to launch a professional soccer team in Phoenix and I want to call it Phoenix rising. And uh, that was it though. It was born at that moment. Um, I, I, to get into the particulars, I ended up researching and realized there was a club there called Arizona United. And uh, long, long story short, I really kind of pursued the opportunity to acquire a stake in that club. And, and you know, that's where uh, Bear K. Bakai, who's now my partner in, in Ipswich, he's my partner in Phoenix Rising, unbeknownst to the two of us, we were both pursuing it at the same time. Mm. And, and as I describe it, I ultimately ended up winning, if you will, in quotes. Um, and then it wasn't until later, once I was, once I was a, a part of the ownership group, that I even knew about Bear K. Bakai and knew about his interests. But once I learned that he had been interested in the team, I, I was very interested in reaching out to him because I, I could just sense that he was the kind of guy that, uh, for a lot of reasons, I live in Los Angeles. He was in Phoenix. Um, I, I kind of had a sense that I got to I got to get in touch with this guy Bear K and see if the two of us can't partner up on this thing. And and fortuitously, as I like to say. Uh, all the planets aligned to do that. And actually the Mark Detmer was the one who brought us all together, who, who again, obviously is another part of our partnership. So, uh, so the world's spinning back on its axis appropriately with the three of us being united on Phoenix rising. We've been blessed with the success and those guys deserve a disproportionate amount of the credit for the success of the club, along with a host of other really dedicated owners. You know, we built a stadium and Bear K, as I describe it, pulled off one of the greatest feats in soccer history getting Didier Drogba to come and join a at the time a third division U.S. club uh, and finish up his career with us and join the ownership group but it's been it's been a fun ride and it and long may it continue you know obviously we're thrilled now to extend you know our partnership to the other to the other side of the pond with Ipswich. Yeah and the evolution I live in Phoenix and I've kind of seen this unfold from the Arizona United days and the, the evolution of the club has been quite remarkable just to look out from the outside looking in. I remember when you signed Drogba and I was getting messages from people in England like isn't that where you live <laughs> you know like what, what's Drogba doing going out there so what, what's that been like just kind of the evolution of Phoenix rising and, and where you're at now so you're moving grounds again I believe right as we speak and, yeah. and what kind of the plans for rising so a lot of people in Phoenix will be listening so they'll be interested to hear just your own thoughts on the evolution and kind of where you're going well uh you know on that note next Friday uh welcome to host you as my guest if you can join us for our home opener oh um, yeah definitely I love that man appreciate that yeah, so so, uh, but we're moving to Wild Horse Pass in partnership with Gila River. You know, you know, one obviously a prominent uh, Native American tribe, Indian tribe there that we're really honored to have a, a fantastic partnership with them. Um, I, I mean, I think that Phoenix Rising. Uh, I'm so proud of obviously the last what I'll describe as four years, and how we've truly put professional soccer on the map in in the city and by extension the state. And, you know, Drogba, but, you know, Peter Ramage and Sean Wright Phillips and Omar Bravo, um, you know, speaking of Ipswich, uh, I'm very proud to recruit Frank Yollop to come to USL during the Arizona United days. And um, anyway, we've just been thrilled, you know, with our success, kind of growing the beautiful game, you know, in a market that deserves to have what I would say is a, a, a really high caliber team. Um, and thrilled with the following that we've been able to build up, you know, not just locally, but, you know, internationally. I mean, I, I, I now, when I travel and I've got Phoenix Rising gear, uh, I, I've been amazed with how often 
people will stop and recognize the logo and the team. And, you know, it's come a long way in a short period of time, but I, I, I feel very blessed relative to our future. And in particular, I mean, I, you know, I'm kind of stated that you'd be hard pressed to find a bigger flag bearer for the USL than me. I, I really believe the league deserves so much credit for the quality and caliber of the play. Uh, I, I'd say the, the depth and breadth of now the ownership groups across the nation and then continuing to kind of add new, you know, the Queens franchise and Oakland roots. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a real honor to be associated with a league that I feel is doing such a good job building up its brand. I mean, I think it cuts both ways. The head office has been doing a very good job. And I think out in the field, you know, ownership groups like Phoenix and Louisville, and, you know, again, the list goes on and on um, have also been, been, shouldering or carrying our weight, if you will, to really create something special. And I think with World Cup coming back at 26, and I think USL has got a lot of advantages in particular relative to developing talent. And that's another reason why I'm so excited to expand and have the opportunity with Ipswich because, you know, only 18 players get to dress and in, you know, in a catchment area that Ipswich enjoys with the academy that it has. And, you know, I think there's a lot of talent that I'd certainly have eyes on trying to find ways to get them to come over to USL and get quality minutes that they're just, you know, not getting right now. And is there going to be a lot of cross-pollination between the teams? Is that something as a, an ownership group that you guys are looking to not only nurture talent, you've got a development club here in Phoenix as well, Phoenix Rising Youth. Is that going to be something where there is going to be between the, the Danish team and FC Tucson that there is going to be a lot of cross-pollination? I hope so. I, I'm anything I can do to, to foster that uh, I'm going to be a proponent of, mm. um, you know, I, I, for, for me, as I kind of, I expressed to someone about that, I, I need to, I guess, be a little bit careful just relative to I'm on every side of the ledger of it, you know? So, um, but uh, you know, from my perspective, um, I, you know, USL Rhode Island in two years, I'm going to launch that franchise. I'll be the principal owner of that franchise. So it would be easier for me in that scenario to kind of sit there and say, look, work with Jordan and try to find someone that for whatever reason, maybe Helsinger can put on loan, w work with Mark Ashton and, and Paul Cook and the broader Academy at Ipswich. And again, hopefully be a conduit where they can provide, again, what I would describe as minutes to players that, you know, aren't going to see the first team anytime soon. But, you know, if they've got a good technical director and you know, they're going to be well taken care of, and playing in a consistent format, I'd love this scenario of a, of a case study where you could start to say, like, because of the way this, these teams operate, we're accelerating the pathway of their success professionally. We've got to prove that out. It's easy to say it, you know, at a high level, you gotta, you got to kind of figure out if you can truly execute on it. And once you can, then obviously try to rinse and repeat. Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting you bring it up because there is such a, a mixture of, of uh, culture, but also the way that you would operate all of these clubs is different, even in the US from USL to FC Tucson. And now you've got Ipswich Town as well, where there's so much more emphasis on the buying and selling of players. So what's that like? Just kind of, you're new to Ipswich, obviously. So what do you think are going to be some of the, the operational differences and some of the things that are going to be more challenging just from an ownership group perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I, I've always tried to maintain, at least once I started talking publicly about our role at Ipswich, certainly my role at Ipswich, I want to be very humble relative to, mm. you know, wh where, I, where I view my qualifications are. Uh, there, there are a lot of individuals that I'm blessed to surround myself with that will forget more about football than I'll ever know. And, <laughs> and so, 
you know, I, I feel obviously a critical thing is to just surround yourself with incredibly talented individuals that, you know, know the game well. And um, I, you know, I'm always happy to opine. I'm always, I love to be in the discussion or dialogue, but I also like to get very talented people and give them latitude to make decisions and, and be successful. Um, so I, I think when it comes to England, I've always kind of felt like it's, that's a market where good money, smart money goes to die if it's mm -hmm. not careful. Like, you know, I, I think uh, you can see countless examples uh, of well-intentioned, deep-pocketed investors that have kind of you know, not been able to succeed in that market. So w with that, I really do hope that we can, with Mark Ash and with Paul Cook, start to form the nucleus of putting together a squad that, you know, makes the history of Ipswich very proud um, and starts to head it in the right direction. I, I do hope and expect that managers, players, other teams that have excess capacity, if you will, would look at Ipswich and say, you know what, this is where I want to park my players. This is where I want to go and play. Because I think that they would recognize that, you know, we've been good for other players' careers. Um, you know, I think we will we'll be able to open up doors for players well beyond, you know, the current league one where we're sitting. So I hope it becomes a kind of positive, virtuous cycle, mm. um, you know, which starts to change the fortunes on the pitch, which then changes the for fortunes off the pitch. And, you know, and then the next thing you, next thing you know, uh, you can exhale and kind of say, okay, it sounds like we're moving this in the right direction. What do you think some of those like common misconceptions are? Because from the outside looking in, everyone hears, you know, someone's buying a football club and they're, they're, uh, it's got kind of this nice ring to it. But what do you think just from a, sp a supporter's perspective is some of those common misconceptions that we don't really see? Some of those things behind the curtain that, you know, uh, are just way more of a challenge than people actually anticipate. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think a lot of people get into professional sports um, naively. I think there are a lot of people who build up an incredible balance sheet become very wealthy and then decide you know i well, god how wouldn't wouldn't it be fun to own a soccer team a football mm -hmm. team if you will a basketball team etc and the way i kind of describe this is none of it's for the faint of heart like i i come at this with the you know where i truly dedicate myself to the craft um and recognize that you're gonna the amount of time you have to put in the amount of money you have to put in it, it takes almost as much time and money to have a bad club as it does to have a good club. <laughs> so, so, you know, what's the, what's the delineation between those two culture is part of it. Leadership's part of it, et cetera. And then sometimes you just need the ball to bounce a certain way. Um, but I, I, I really believe that anyone who approaches this, which historically a lot of people have as kind of an ego play, that's where karma or the universe is going to punish you. I believe that, you know, you just, it's it, especially because the competitive landscape is changing. Like it's money will not solve the problems. You know, it, the way you have to evolve and the tools that I think need to be brought to, to bear and the analytical side of the game, et cetera, like it's evolving so rapidly. Um, so I, I continue to kind of hope, pray every single day that all the assets that I'm fortunate to be a part of, that we continue to sign great players with great heart, give them good leadership, have them kind of do everything they can to kind of get those three points home or away. And if you keep kind of putting your right foot after left foot, good things happen. I, I will, on a related note, I'm very complimentary of the job that Jordan Gardner's done with, with FC Helsinger. And, um, you know, Jordan's one of these guys, just an encyclopedic knowledge and passion for the sport. Hmm. And I love to kind of be associated with him because I think, I think that team has got 
the, you know, one of the lowest payrolls in the league. Hmm. And yet it's, you know, it's currently sitting, I think at fourth or fifth, somewhere right in there, you know, that that's fantastic that, and, you know, and I think it just starts to show that, look, let's continue to sign a couple of new players for next season. Maybe we invest a little bit more money, try to get it up, you know, to the, to the top division of, of Denmark. But anyway, anyone who thinks that the panacea for any of this is money is kind of mistaken, I think. Well, and bringing it more up to just the current speed, obviously the recent takeover at Ipswich, what was the attraction to Ipswich? It's a great English club, right? So what was kind of the, the deciding factors of, of picking Ipswich and, and that being the team in the championship that you guys were looking to invest in? Yeah, uh, you know, we, as I described, we really coveted the prospect of owning Ipswich. Um, we reached out to Marcus in, you know, what I'd call an off-market transaction, you know, it, it, the club wasn't for sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michael, Michael Leary, who's the now chairman of our group, um, he really did a brilliant job of kind of navigating the, the, the long road to get this done. Um, you know, we, we kicked the tires on a couple of things. You know, we like probably, you know, literally a thousand other groups have looked at Newcastle, um, you know, loved that club from a 30,000 foot level. But you know, again, I'd rather I'd rather own Ipswich, and I'd rather own it where it's sitting right now, where you have all this upside. I would describe it. Mm. And again, I kind of looked at Newcastle, and it was really just about a, uh, getting a delta or a discount to its inherent brand equity in the Premier League. That 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 was the play on that one. And if you really want to talk about the you know risk reward, hell of a lot more risk with buying a Premier League team and trying to add value to it with with you know what what can go wrong on the downside versus buying Ipswich here and trying to figure out how to get it back on the upside. Well, and you've got a club there with such great history as well, that I suppose one of the big things is just going to be managing expectations, right? People here, a new owner, American ownership, they think, you know, lights and amazing. This is going to be great. So what, what do you think is, is just from your team's perspective, just aligning those expectations? Cause we all know football fans can be a little bit fickle sometimes and a uh, little bit on demand results, right? <laughs> I'm bracing myself for it. I'm bracing <laughs> myself for a whole nother level of scrutiny. Yeah, for sure. On, on this. And, you know, um, I, but I, I, I think, so the supporters recognize that, you know, if you will, it's not going to be built in a day. It's going to take a little while to turn it around. But I think, you know, the, Paul Cook has got a sterling reputation. He and Ashton are working well with each other and spending a lot of time already starting to think about exactly how they're going to take advantage of this, this summer window. Um, but, I, you know, from my perspective, I really, again, I pray that we come out kind of strong, you know, to start the season next year. You know, that – and, you know, really just kind of uh, – reinvigorate the club with the sense of winning on, on the, on the pitch. But, um, you know, as I said, I, I'm very happy. I, I view this really as an Anglo American partnership and on an emphasis on the, uh, you know, the Anglo side of it, uh, because of Michael Leary, Ashton, Paul Cook. Um, I, I do believe that there are elements where Berkey, Mark Detmer and I, and our other partners are going to add value. Um, and certainly on the commercial side, I've got some American brands that are very interested in starting to look at associating themselves with the brand. And, and you know, if we could start to generate more revenue, which provides us a little bit more latitude in terms of what we can start to do. You know, all of those things are positive. So it's, it's a long way of saying that I like the team that we have. I like the passion, you know, that we bring to it, how tirelessly we're going to work and kind of cautiously optimistic that good things will happen. And then finally, I do believe Ipswich really is blessed 
because of its history with such a phenomenal family-like group of supporters, global supporters. I mean, I knew it was strong. I was overwhelmed with truly how strong it was and how much outreach I've had from, from all over the globe. And so that's an extra motivation, not that we would need it, but it's an extra motivation just to try to figure out how do you reward, how do you truly reward that fan base? And I think there's a generation gap that hasn't you know, seen what this club truly was and can be and hopefully will be. And I want to start to really engage with younger fans and try to pack, you know, in a post-COVID world, I want to pack Portman Road and start to see, you know, us shift down, you know, so that the average age starts to trend, you know, a little bit younger, if you will. And you mentioned it a couple of times on the call that you, you've got a team in place. Do you see this as um, something that is, I wouldn't say easy to replicate, but because you've got the team in place and American operations are going to be different to English operations as far as running the club. But is this something where you're, you're looking to build a team that is almost a flywheel where you can go and layer this on top of nearly any club in the world, uh, independent of the respective cultures? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, too soon to tell. I, I like that in theory. Mm. Um, you know, Jordan, and I've been kicking around uh, potentially acquiring a club in Australia, which I think is interesting. Mm. Um, you know, I think aspirationally we'll start to look at, you know, for lack of a better expression, a passport club, you know, something on the continent that, you know, potentially gives us some more flexibility in terms of signing players and potentially, you know, finding ways to, to positively kind of move them, you know, to Ipswich. Um, that 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 kind of added flexibility seems like a smart move. Um, you know, but I, I also I look forward to kind of introducing Jordan to Mark Ashton and, and finding out if there's any synergy between what's going on with FC Helsinger and, and Ipswich, et cetera. So I, I will absolutely be trying to find areas of connectivity, affiliation, support, um, you know, with with this initial foundation and then build from it. Yeah, very interesting. So uh, just just while we're wrapping up, do you think that um, what like how's the path just different for a club like Phoenix Rising, where obviously Ipswich, you mentioned that there's the kind of carrot of promotion and everything that comes with it, the media and everything else. Well, what kind of is that pathway in your thoughts on just an overall? It's kind of a broad question, but the overall opportunity for someone like Phoenix Rising to have the chance to be promoted, for example, for anyone that's not too familiar with the American soccer system, there is, it's a closed league system at the moment, but what are some of your thoughts just on the, the path for Phoenix rise? And is it, we're happy in USL, they've got a great product or is it the plan is always to just kind of um, have that path to major league soccer? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I wish, I, I wish there was promotion relegation in the States. And I'm, and I'm not talking about someone who's kind of sitting here, saying like, God, wouldn't that be great? Cause like we could get up to, to top level and not have to pay a, a very substantial franchise. Pay. It's, it's, right. it's, I just think the game is a lot more interesting because of promotion relegation. Okay, you know, okay. it, it's kind of interesting that in America that, which in many respects, you know, if you can talk about the sort of the, the uh, entrepreneurial spirit or, you know, uh, competitive nature of Americans in general, it is kind of ironic that we have a closed system relative to, you know, our sports leagues. <laughs> For sure. You know, and because uh, I, I do think that there's an element where Americans love the concept of like hard work, you know, and, and the, the underdog kind of having the opportunity to, to knock off some giants and kind of get promoted up. So hmm. all, all that being said, look, I navigate in a, a market in North America that I'm proud, very proud of. And I, I genuinely believe in the future of soccer in North America. I believe MLS and I believe USL, but they're, mm -hmm. they're uh, you know, again, two very different models 
I, I know that I love USL because I, I think the quality and caliber of the play and the ability to, to invest in this league and grow with it, you know, I feel very grateful for it. All, all that being said, I mean, Phoenix is a big city. Um, you know, I think it might, might be the biggest city that MLS, you know, doesn't have a, a team in, but Interesting. From, yeah, I, but I, I would say, you know, I, I guess the way I would look at it is when I first entered this space, I, I was, I would say, fairly focused on, I viewed it as a play relative to MLS. Mm. And now I kind of view it because of the success of USL. I'm very sanguine relative to where Phoenix Rising kind of lies in the pecking order of it. And, and it's just to say that, again, our objective is to continue to be the best franchise in the league that we're in. And we're in USL and we're very proud of it. And again, I, I really believe that um, the amount of foreign clubs that are probably starting to look their eyes to, to North America, hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm fairly confident. I've, I've seen some anecdotal evidence where some very prominent foreign clubs have started to reach out to me, certainly reaching out to the head office of Tampa, because I think they're looking at what, what USL is doing and they're impressed from afar. But anyway, that I sucked the oxygen out of that, out of the call on that question. So I apologize for that, but it no, really is, it's a really long way of saying that I kind of agnostic. I really, I respect everyone in MLS. I, I mean, I love in my, I, I live in LA. I love LAFC. I mean, that's a, that's a fun club to go watch great stadium, et cetera. But all that being said, right now, uh, the future couldn't be brighter, I think, for USL and by extension franchises like Phoenix in USL. Well, we had a conversation with Jake Edwards, the, the president of the league, and, and a lot of what he was saying was along the same lines where it's like there's no real focus. It's just making the best league possible and having a lot of teams in markets that major, they don't have a major league soccer team, but they have, you know, you have teams that can be really big brands and have a great following, but they don't have to, like the aim doesn't have to be major league soccer. You can just have a good team anyway. So, so, so if you look at what, again, what I would describe as a little bit of my playbook, uh, Rhode Island is a perfect example. Rhode Island is not a major league soccer market, but it is a perfect USL championship market. Yeah, that makes sense. And the demographics there are so strong for soccer. Um, and then, you know, Tucson, which I now own that franchise, for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's proximity to Mexico, you know, just again, it's a prime market where if we get a great location, which we're working on, we look to build a stadium and I should, should hopefully be able to kind of replicate some of the success that we've seen in Phoenix down in that market. So I, I got to ask you this just real quick before we wrap up, because it's the news of the week. You're an American owner buying Ipswich. I, I just got to get your, uh, your two cents on uh, what, what's happened with the European Super League and, and just from an ownership and obviously a business perspective, but also culturally and passion for teams. And you're obviously a big football fan. So it'd be great to just get yeah. uh, your, your opinion and just your feedback on what you think's happened and unfolded this week. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. I, you know, Bear Kay and I were fairly quick to come out strongly, you know, in opposition of it. And a friend of mine had reached, a lot of friends had reached out and my, my, attitude was it needs to kind of die a very quick and painful death. And, you know, um, and it did do exactly that. Um, and, and rightly so, uh, you know, again, I, it's easy for me to say this, you know, kind of sitting where I, I am and you know, they, did, they didn't call me up asking me to join the Super League. So, uh, but, you know, that being said, it, again, from my perspective, it's completely anathema to what the beautiful game is all about. And, and the, the tone and tenor of what makes it so compelling, the drama of it all. And so I, I couldn't be prouder, if you will, of the collective soccer movement that really slapped that down fast and hard. And, and again, you know, I hope, I hope it doesn't, you know, kind of raise its head anytime soon. Um, so, so, yeah, I think the world properly spinning back on its axis now that that seems to have kind of really uh, 
a, a lot of careers seem to have just been derailed because of, of their link to it. It was a strange week. It was just like a whirlwind of like, wow, this is actually happening. And it still feels a little inevitable. I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's just the ownership of some of the top teams. And um, it seemed a little tone deaf of not really understanding a culture from an ownership uh, perspective, especially some of the, the biggest brands and biggest teams in the world. And yeah, I think it'll come back up eventually because it seems like it's not going to go away or it hasn't gone away. Yeah. I, I Yeah. That's, I think you, you, I, unfortunately, I think you might be right in that regard. I mean, again, uh, I, I, I do, I do. Maybe, maybe it's a wake-up call a little bit to some of those bigger clubs, just in terms of trying to getting the financial house in order. Just because mm -hmm. I think that was driving a fair bit of the motivation in terms of, you know, can it, can it kind of maybe atone for some of the sins that we've had relative to, you know, their balance sheets. But I, I don't. Again, from my perspective, I think that the overall um, system is working well in the sense that, you know. Champions League, Europa League, you know, that just the opportunity where you start to see clubs playing against each other and, you know, the history of all of it and the drama behind all of it. And so no and that, that's what I think the sport needs to continue to foster because I think that really does build. Like I've seen in the United States the success of the Champions League in terms of, um, you know, some of the drama over the last couple of years. I've had friends reaching out to me who I know historically have not been football fans and kind of asking me if I caught some game and impressive, <laughs> where I just know that, no, wait a second. Now it used to be like the world cup. They used to wait for the world cup every four years. Now all of a sudden they're kind of sitting there and being like, God, did you watch that? You know, Ajax game and, and wasn't that amazing anyway. So those are the type of things, especially as an American, I want to continue to see more and more of that. And, and again, hopefully what it did was just draw a lot of attention to what what was the motivation behind this and why would they want to kind of disrupt what I would say is a beautiful thing right now? Well, and you described it there. It's just the financial models of, of some of these clubs. When you look at the their books are not very pretty. So obviously it may, it's like an aim for them to just take as much off the table as possible while they can out of their brand, but it's not great for the game at large, it seems. But Yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, it's, um, I can recognize from a distance on why if they could have pulled it off, they would look at it and say, well, this is, you know, potentially just a phenomenal and just in terms of uh, taking the whole valuation of that collective pool to another level, but man, it would have killed this sport. Yeah, no doubt. Cool. So before we let you go, what's uh, the spot for following you on Twitter and anywhere else you're doing stuff on social media? Yeah. So my Twitter is at uh, BMJ crew 28. Um, yeah. And then, uh, that's uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. It's been it's been it's been enjoyable, kind of how much outreach between Twitter and LinkedIn, you know, relative to Ipswich. But you know, from from my perspective, Adam, it's a real honor to be on your show. Congratulations on everything you're doing. Let let me know how I could be of help or assistance to to your efforts. Yeah, right? I, I appreciate that, Brett. Yeah, seriously, it's uh, it's much appreciated. Appreciate you coming on, and good luck in the upcoming seasons. R rising kicks oh, off this week, right? So. Yeah, so again, join join me at a game, or you know, I, I'm flying in right. for the home opener, uh, which is next Friday. I'd love to have you join me. Happy to, to to take care of that. And then, but if for whatever reason that game's not convenient, you just tell me any game you want to come to. We, I've got you, uh, I've got you covered on that. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And I know the, the rising uh, the rising fans will enjoy hearing that as well. Man, other people. <laughs> I try, I try. <laughs> All right, but I appreciate it, man. Cheers. Thank you, Adam. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Appreciate Thanks. it. Cheers. Yeah. That's the end of today's show. Thank you to everyone for listening to a healthy obsession. Shout out to Brett for coming on the show. We'll be back on Tuesday with a weekly show with myself and Tom. Until next time, be safe, be well, and cheers for listening.